questions to ask you. And I want to start out with a question that somebody wrote in that says, my four-year-old with ASD and I live in New York City. My 27-year-old brother also has autism, specifically Asperger's. He also has psychosis, paranoia, anxiety, depression. Please help us. My brother didn't have the opportunity to receive the services that my son can take advantage of now. So everything developed into a domino effect for my brother. First it was chronic depression and then it went on to more serious issues. And she stops and puts everything in caps. How can we overlap both diagnoses if possible to better help my brother who has a very difficult time speaking out of how he feels, what is going on. He isn't able to share his experiences and thoughts in the group therapy at the behavior hospital he's in because of his Asperger's. Help, help, help. Please, our family is desperate and no one is helping us anywhere right now. And she writes, thank you. And I do have to do just a, a little bit of backup uh, here that we, you guys write in and we want you to write in and give us as much information as you can. But I want to remind all of you that Dr. Grampache and no one on the show will be giving you child specific or adult specific information. It would be a disservice to them. There isn't, you, you couldn't possibly give enough information for someone of your expertise to give a child specific or an adult specific answer right? right right absolutely and it just wouldn't be right or ethical or fair because uh, there's just so much information that we're missing here yeah. but in general we, we're gonna be able to help you just take the next steps perhaps and and mm -hmm. um, give you some guidance um, in this case and, and the other thing I wanted to mention before we get sure. into the question Shannon is that we do get a lot of questions uh, a ton and sometimes um, it takes us a few uh, shows to actually catch up with uh, questions like right now we're pretty much bombarded yes and so we'll answer as many as we can today and yes. if you don't hear the answers to your questions today keep logging in and or go on our um, site and look at the shows that are on the library there and, yeah. and hopefully you'll be able to find some of the answers yes there's on our youtube pages there's a very specific um part that just is dr doreen uh ask dr doreen segments and it, if you start playing the video emily does a really wonderful thing on the video where she does a catalog of all the questions being asked and answered and you can just put your cursor over one of them hit it and it goes exactly to that spot so you're you serious absolutely that's, that's on every amazing. single episode so that's crazy so if you're wanting a specific answer you can look and see okay this is what they're going to talk about and you don't have to watch all the other questions and answers although you learn a lot by watching them no but that's spectacular it is. i mean we can definitely even use that thank you emily yeah <laughs> for doing an awesome that job that is, uh, that's an amazing sort of frequently asked questions list that we can definitely use in, in, on a lot of our other sites as well. Absolutely. And that's, that's available terrific. on all of them since we started the Ask Dr. Doreen. So uh, time saving, because we know you need an answer, you need to get it, you need to get it right now. Right. So um, wonderful. So back to this so, uh, mom who's yeah, got a four-year-old. Go ahead, take it. This? Uh, absolutely. I've got my own copy actually here. Okay. Four-year-old on the spectrum living in New York City and a 27-year-old brother who's got autism, Asperger's, right, right. Uh, okay. but so many other issues. Right. So let's talk about some of these issues. Um, first of all, when the... Uh, so it seems like this uh, mom is worried about 
the brother very very much yeah I can understand obviously because the four-year-old is younger and still has a lot of time yeah. um, what I would let's just talk about the brother for a second we mm -hmm. don't know when uh, the mom has said that the four-year-old has ASD which is the current correct way of diagnosing but I don't know if uh, this child has you know what level if they're right. high functioning low functioning or so but Asperger's of course an older diagnosis would be high functioning and mm -hmm. what the implication of Asperger's would be that there is some um, pretty decent level of speech not necessarily abstract and or advanced language but good level of speech um, and then mom is saying that the brother also has um, psychoses such as paranoia anxiety and depression anxiety and depression are neuroses mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> every I would say I mean I, I don't want to say every but I strongly believe that the vast majority of individuals who have uh, high-functioning autism or PDD-NOS, what it used to be PDD-NOS, or Asperger's, um, also have anxiety. Um, and the reason for that is that I think they are they um, are so intelligent and they comprehend a lot more than people think and actually maybe even more than they see certain things certain ways more than we do even in a much more detailed way and so that causes them a certain level of anxiety because uh, they're worried about failing that's like the biggest thing I think they don't want to be failures it's more it's kind of an enhanced embarrassment which mm -hmm. you know we all have right yeah. and we avoid things that we're not good at mm -hmm. obviously but I think individuals with Asperger's um, would tend to that would be just much more enhanced much more extreme because um, really what's happening with them is that they have a very hard time socializing reading social cues um, understanding why people think they're odd they recognize yeah. those things it's not like they're they're oblivious to it they notice that people think they're odd mm -hmm. and that's uh, hurtful and it causes them a lot of anxiety so they try to avoid situations that would uh, place them in social settings depression and anxiety are the same thing Anxiety is um, sort of an antecedent to depression. Okay. So you get depressed of things that you are uh, unable to avoid. Mm -hmm. Anxiety is things that make you afraid and therefore you want to avoid. Okay. So kind of anxiety comes first and if you can't avoid those anxiety provoking situations you become depressed. Mm -hmm. So um, the paranoia, I don't know that the the writer I'm not sure you really want to refer to this as official paranoia paranoia is a little bit different I think what you're referring to is probably the individual becomes is hypersensitive or hyper anxious really kind of paranoid about things that might put him in an uncomfortable situation mm -hmm. so we're going to focus just on the anxiety and depression okay. now my understanding is that you are that he is in a um, a behavioral group hospital. therapy at a behavioral hospital, yeah. right? I don't know what that means. I'm yeah. assuming that it is a hospital for individual, or they have programs for individuals that have challenging behaviors, like maybe emotionally disturbed. Uh, this is a 27-year-old, not mm -hmm. even a teen. But so, uh, you know, the Aspergers or the inability to comprehend certain advanced things like um, 
the theory of mind concepts, perspective taking, you know, executive functions, all of that sort of stuff is stronger. It's a, it's a more pervasive thing than depression and anxiety. So I'm not sure he should be in that setting because that, if that's a setting for anxiety and depression people mm -hmm. who therefore act out mm -hmm. because of their anxiety and depression or behavioral issues, then they're not going to know how to cater to his needs. His mm -hmm. needs sound more like, you know, you're saying he's unable, he has a difficult time speaking out. First of all, group settings are very, very hard yeah. for treatment anyway, yeah. because nine out of 10 people in a group have a difficult time speaking their true heart anyway. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing I would say is a group setting is not gonna be the ideal scenario for him. Um, my suggestion would be that you really try to find a psychologist perhaps who can help uh, just with who's more familiar with Asperger's mm -hmm. or with autism and then um, you know and then dealing with issues of depression and anxiety um, these are you know what we do um, just to back up because this might apply more to your four-year-old now what, what we do with our kids is obviously we treat them all the concepts and skills that they need but we go into a lot of the more higher level abstract concepts like problem solving um, how to be able to moderate your own stress how to be able to handle social situations or how to handle anxiety how to handle anxiety yeah. and we do it with our kids at a very young age where they're still within the ASD umbrella so we teach them these techniques um, in a language that they understand it's a little bit too abstract for someone with ASD to really understand or with Asperger's which now falls under ASD to really understand um, how to deal with anxiety um, I just thought of a way to help this person, which okay. is great. Love it. I did a, I've done a couple of talks on anxiety, which mm -hmm. are pretty long talks. Actually, I think they're like two, two and a half hour talks. They're, they should be on the card website. Okay. Um, and if they're not, I will, Shannon, if you prod me, email it to you and then we can put it on our website here. Yes. Because those will actually help. There are, what I go through, the first section of these talks talks about how um, actually autism or ASD or Asperger's is similar to anxiety. How, mm -hmm. how could it be that we wouldn't have anxiety? If yeah. you're experiencing the symptoms of ASD or Asperger's, there's no question you're going to experience anxiety and depression. There's no question. It's just mm -hmm. too much. Okay, you know, like, and I go into like how a lot of our kids have sensory issues and mm -hmm. it's just the world is overwhelming. All of that causes anxiety. And then I go into some of the treatments for anxiety. And actually there are in that, in that particular talk, I, I give some references to uh, written material and training material that's written for Asperger's and ASD individuals who Wonderful. have anxiety. Wonderful. So that talk will be very helpful, I think, to this family. Okay, great. I don't know. We don't know anyone in New York who would directly be able to help. We do have an office in New York, um, but our staff are more geared towards teaching and board their BCBAs, mm -hmm. so they're more involved with younger kids. Um, but I would be happy to find out and try to do some research on what else exists in New York because this is really a very, very specialized area okay. where the family needs help. And I really do want to hear back, if possible, from this family and see okay. if we were able to help them because it sounds like they're very desperate. 
Okay, um, and, th and this came in on Facebook, not on our live feature, so we do have a way of getting back to them. We that's have their terrific. name, and so we can get back to them. Yeah, that's true. And that's another reason why we want to encourage you, do uh, participate on the live feature, but you can also send things in early on the Facebook page, and then we then we don't disclose who you are, but we know how to get a hold of you. Right, um, that's true. And, and follow up on things. And of course, we encourage you while you're on the Facebook page to like us on the Facebook page. You can also sign up for our newsletter. And of course, we're always encouraged people to subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, very important. A, a shameless moment of self-promotion. I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> terrific. In fact, I was just thinking that it would be wonderful if I somehow handed my Facebook, my professional Facebook page to you guys because a yeah, card just doesn't have the resources or the time uh, to actually deal with these. And, you know, my ideal scenario would be to answer questions on my own Facebook page as often as I could, and yeah, I can't. It's just yeah. there's too many. Well, I can imagine. It's We see that, it, you know, it builds up. But I, I love this idea that there's already a talk that you do, and we'll make sure that people yep. can have access to that. Right. Um, I, you know, it's interesting as you talk, as a mom, I'm always filtering it through what's going on with my child. My child's 10, but we saw just recently a circumstance that I it was sort of like I could look into the future and I saw for the first time we were at a friend's house and uh, they were they were selling a bunch of things because they were moving and my child loves Legos and they had these two huge bins of Legos that they were selling and I said let's not tell my son we already have more Legos than I can deal with in life let's just not tell him let's just all agree that we're not going to talk mm -hmm, about that mm -hmm. and my one friend who is a bit of a you know, uh, so he and he has his three kids. And so he was at one point, my son went to go in the room and he goes, oh, yeah, we don't want Jem to go in there because, you know, there are things in there that, you know, perhaps and he's alluding to something and everybody's sort of tittering and giggling. And my child has enough on the ball now. He goes, what's going on? <laughs> what's happening? It. Yeah. Why? Why is everybody laughing? Why is that funny? Is it really something I shouldn't go in there? He's asking questions. Right. And the friend is going, no, no, it's okay. Wink, wink. We don't, you don't want to be looking at any, anything in there and being a butthead. And I said to him, you're being a butthead. Stop it. Yeah. And, and he's like, no, no, it's fine. But everybody's starting to laugh right, now. Right. And I watched my child's anxiety. Right. Because he knew enough that something was going on. Right. But socially right. he couldn't quite, he's not old enough and doesn't have enough together to figure out. Right. And he said at one point, he said, are you making fun of me? Yeah. Is there something wrong with me? What's happening? And mm -hmm. turned to me and said, Mom, help me. I don't understand. Aww. And he was starting to have all this anxiety. Sure, absolutely. And, and I finally said, okay, this is what's going on. Mommy's friend is a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah. and this is what's happening, and we just didn't want you to know because we didn't want you to be disappointed, but you can't have any more Legos in your life. Right. We're not taking these home. And then he said, oh, okay, but why would he be that mean to me? Yeah, yeah. And... And I could see that at yeah. ten, yeah. he's he, you know, he's languaging it. But what's that going to be when he's sixteen? Right, right. That would cause a level of anxiety, and a level of paranoia. Well, yeah. And in in his case, of course, he would have learned how to deal with it, right? I mean, yeah. Because of these scenarios, so don't feel bad about this because this scenario actually taught him quite a bit. Yes, and I think hopefully it taught my friend something. Yeah, and as hopefully I called him all kinds of names in front of his children. Right, and you and hopefully <laughs> you also realized that it wasn't that hard to deal with telling him about the Legos. Yes, and I. <laughs> I decided it was much better to disclose <laughs> to and tell him, here's the thing, and, and you're going to be disappointed, yes, yes. but, you know, yeah. I would rather you have that, the anxiety right. of feeling like people are picking on you. Totally. But I do wonder, Dr. Grampuche, about what happens when I'm what? not there. Absolutely. And and if, if 
it wasn't like James had all this intervention. He's yeah. so smart. He's figuring all this stuff out by himself. For the kids who don't have any of that. Yes. And it's not just, I mean, that's, there's the great example. But just imagine, like, we're talking typically developing kids have a hard time with yeah. bullying and oh, with yeah. uh, groups in school leaving others out and, like, oh. triangular friendships and, like, oh. all kinds of weird stuff, right? Yes. So our kids, it's unbelievably difficult. I mean, one of the first things, that's, uh, people ask me, like, why don't you have kids go to school very early? And my thing is, I need to make sure they're equipped so yeah. that they don't go into school and it becomes a complete failure. Right. You know, you need to ha make sure the child has some support system. And so there's no question that our kids would, and that's just, you're giving a great example, which is like the kind of lack of understanding or like, you know, they don't, they can't figure out why people would joke in an inappropriate way, yeah. let's say. But there's other stuff too. If you think about it, Shannon, a lot of our kids don't sleep well. Yeah. Lack of sleep produces anxiety. Sure. They have stomach aches. That produces anxiety. I mean, I can contrast if you have a, a day where you have uh, GI function, you know, problems, gastrointestinal problems, that is when people write about how that feels and people mm. write about how anxiety feels, it's almost the same. Yeah. Like it's very interesting. They have, you know, every things that are sensory uh, experiences that are extremely anxiety provoking like loud loudness of sounds and lights and so on and so forth so there's no question the main uh, treatments for anxiety by the way in the world are a combined treatment of sort of cognitive behavioral intervention mm -hmm. with medication mm -hmm. and the medications obviously are the serotonin reuptake inhibitors mm -hmm. um, or serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors like you know Prozac etc and SSRI and then the uh, there's other new ones like Cymbalta and so on that are more focused on norepinephrine but both of those will influence if you work with modifying serotonin levels your anxiety level goes down so mm. these are very good medications for anxiety yeah. there's no question Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, all of these they're very good for anxiety and they really don't have significant side effects I know that some people are pretty afraid of trying medications like this but something I, there's some huge number like 60% of Americans take one of these medications Amazing. so and part of that is because our food source doesn't provide us with the right nutrients to be able to produce the neurotransmitters we need so but having said all that so what I'm for this family it would be good to consider a combined treatment of medical and cognitive mm -hmm. the cognitive aspects are just teaching the individual how to recognize their own signs of anxiety appearing and then start to become more uh, you know just regulated with ways to calm themselves down yeah um, a lot of times uh, we, and we've talked about this on previous shows where we've discussed anxiety, but we as adults, we find ways to, to reduce our own anxiety. Yeah. We have calm rooms. We'll take, you know, someone will go and take a bath. Someone will go shopping. Someone will overeat. Someone, yeah. someone will smoke. Very, people have different ways of dealing with their own physiological responses. Our kids don't. Yeah. They don't recognize their own symptoms. They don't know what will help them calm down. That's why we teach yeah. our kids all the breathing exercises yeah. and so on. Amazing. Yeah. Well, and I will say too, and I've disclosed this before on the show, that uh, I, I am somebody who has some obsessive compulsive 
tendencies. And after my son was diagnosed with autism and I got really, really tired, way underslept, I then went into panic disorder. Right. And cognitive behavior right. therapy is what saved me. Absolutely. I, I, couldn't, Absolutely. I couldn't drive anymore. Right. And, and it was amazing. It wasn't something that I was familiar with before, but uh, it helped me to get back into a functional state. I won't say that I never have anxiety. Right. But I have tools now that I didn't have right. before. Totally. And, and, totally. Uh, so I can speak to that and say, for you know, if there's parents that are out there that are dealing with issues, it's something really to be yeah. looked at. And most likely, it, it'll help this individual just to learn some of those tools, like uh, yeah. systematic desensitization procedures, yeah. breathing exercise, relaxation exercises, meditation. Yeah. A lot of these types of things are very, very effective, and a lot of what he experiences is very real yeah and uh, people tend to just ignore those things so it's very important to deal with well i hope that this uh we're going to make sure that they get that talk that you did about anxiety and then we'll check back with you and see, um, and see if, uh, if that helps you out okay we're going to take a break before we come back with some more questions that you guys have written in for dr doreen grandpache stick with us welcome back to ask dr doreen our very special guest in the studios with us right now is dr doreen grandpache Uh, a true expert and visionary in the field of autism. Thank you for being here and thank you for all your expertise and sharing it. Uh, We had somebody write in and say, hi, my name is Suji. I hope I'm saying it right. And I'm a first year medical student at the Saba University School of Medicine. Uh, I just finished watching your interview with Dr. Doreen on YouTube. Thank you so much for sharing that information. This was about the DSM-5. I have a presentation on the differentials for ASD using the new DSM for my neuroscience class. Uh, I'm still a little confused about the differentials for ASD. Can a child not be diagnosed with Asperger syndrome anymore? We've had this question in so many different ways from so many people. Also, do you still differentiate ASD from the genetic disorders? Uh, I know Dr. Doring mentioned you can write ASD with Rett syndrome. Thank you for your help. Mm-hmm. And so a quick answer to that, and I think, Shannon, we've had so many requests on this information yeah. that I wanted to do one anyway, just as for the IBT site, actually, I wanted mm-hmm. to do a training, um, like a half hour, an hour um, training, so I have to get that on calendar and do it. Um, so to answer the first question, well, first of all, the neurological uh, or and genetic and all these other uh, disorders are kept separate. Yes, they okay. are. If you train as a psychiatrist or psychologist, which this individual is, I think, going into neurology, I'm not sure, but you, with the mental disorders, you, you diagnose on, on axes. There's five axes. The third axis is where you will diagnose medical. So uh, your ASD diagnosis would go on the first axis. And the second axis is more for long-term types of things like mental retardation or personality disorders. The third axis has to do with medical issues. So if an individual has, let's say, uh, a genetic disorder that even though we might agree that the genetic disorder, let's say Angelman syndrome, mm-hmm. is is causing the symptoms of autism, you still would go ahead and diagnose ASD on the first axis and Angelman's okay. on the third. And that's how you would diagnose it. Now for Asperger's, the current way to diagnose it would be to say ASD Asperger's type. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the word is not completely gone. No, it's an option. 
Okay, uh, because there's been a it's lot a of modifier. It gives you the the ability to say what, and especially they give you that option. You, they, they give you the option of maintaining the Asperger's diagnosis if the individual was diagnosed earlier. Okay, so kind of a grandfather mm -hmm. the term, because there's been a lot of blogging about that in the blogosphere. There's a new series that just came out on FX called The Bridge, mm -hmm. and one of our regular guests, Alex Plank, was the mm -hmm. consultant. He has Asperger's, and the title character although within the realm of the show, they never identify that she has Asperger's. They have disclosed and said, this character has Asperger's. Mm -hmm. And she's uh, working with Alex to, and everybody's been saying, isn't it ironic mm -hmm. that finally there's a realistic uh, you know, uh, person playing Asperger's as the diagnosis goes away and the term is right. no, no, no longer exists. Right. So not necessarily, the term still can exist. It does exist, okay. it just falls under that. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in terms of, I think that pretty much answers mm -hmm. the, all of her questions there. Right, and I do think that I should do another um, video set on this, just the training, because there's a lot of actual detail that I left out and I can go into. Okay. There's, but it's, it's, and you know, perhaps what we should do is also put some video clips. A lot of people are getting kind of confused with how to use the SM5. Yeah. There's been an uh, overwhelming sea of questions and uh, a lot of professionals who have loved the video and praised the video that you did. That's right. And asked if they can use the information. Uh, one school psychologist who's going to train their entire staff using the, the presentation That's that right. you did. So good, um, good. thank you so much for filling in a, a blank that nobody else was addressing oh, and, and bringing yeah. that information to us. We've got another viewer who says, I live in Florida, but my kids live with their father in Harlingen, Texas. There are no certified specialists for autism down there. They work uh, with what they know about ADHD and try to assume it will work with autistic kids. And she's wanting some help and advice about, is would that be appropriate? No. Okay. That's, we're talking about two completely different universes <laughs> even. Like, uh, you know, there's there's similarities which have to do with the inability to pay attention, mm -hmm. essentially, um, distractibility. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, there's really uh, their worlds apart. Um, autism is much more pervasive and much more um, uh, just serious and affects uh, every area of functioning. Um, ADHD, depending on which type it is, will mainly be a typically developing child who's impulsive or hyperactive. That's it. So, you know, the difference is huge. So the techniques are different. Um, and I am surprised because in Texas, there's actually a lot of services in different places. I don't know where that city is. I don't, I don't either. Harlingen doesn't sound familiar to me. Right. But, there, but you know... There are services. I mean, we're yeah. in Austin. We have a center in Austin. We're actually thinking right now about opening also in the Dallas area and in San Antonio. But I know that there are already other providers in those areas as well. Um, so perhaps this individual should uh, um, get in touch with our operations mm -hmm. manager, Dorothy, in our Austin office. And okay. she's very good at helping people find the right services. Okay, great to do. And you can find uh, the number to get a hold of her if you go to centerforautism.com, go to the locations tab. You'll be able, to, it's a drop down menu. You'll be able to see all the different offices and find the one for Austin, Austin Texas. Right. And it'll have a direct website that you can go to and a phone right. number that you can 
and you know we well. are working right now on setting up a new um, service mm -hmm. it's not quite ready for the world yet but I'm thinking about I might have mentioned it to you I'm thinking mm -hmm. about setting up um, DG's list yes. I, I remember and it's kind of going to be a list of providers all over the country Love not it. just in behavioral um, but also anything having to do with autism you know so from stores that you can f buy yeah. GFCF foods to yeah. good ABA providers. We really need that. We really need the ultimate yeah. resource because uh, I, I was explaining to somebody this morning that when somebody has a child that's newly diagnosed, all the different places we have to send them to in the beginning, right. you know, uh, to figure out all the different things they have to do. Right. And everybody always says, is there no one-stop shop? Is there no well, one place that I can go? Right. <laughs> you know. Well, and and you never know, Shannon. Like certain, like I, some, you know, insurance companies will will occasionally contact me and say, "Can you evaluate, or what do you think about this provider?" Mm -hmm. And sometimes, most of the time, I know them. If I don't know them, mm -hmm. then I have nothing other than like doing a background check and going on their website. And you'll go on a website, and it's just spectacular. Mm -hmm. Like it has everything you imagine in terms of being a good provider. Provider, and then you have a conversation with the individual in charge and you realize oh my god like they don't even know the most basic aspects of behavior analysis how who how did they ever do this and yeah. so for parents it's very uh, deceiving and yeah. what I the way that I'm trying to set this thing up is to have a system where um, pa other parents who've used the services will be able to vote and rate. Yes. It's kind of like a... Uh, like Angie's List, right? Yeah, it's like yes. Angie's List. It's like um, Yelp. It's like yes. any of those where you get other people's reviews. Yeah. And I think that's probably the most valuable thing is Absolutely. to be able to read other people's reviews. And, you know, obviously everybody, every organization will have good and bad reviews, but... Right. I think it's just important to be able to make those decisions yourself and know what other people have experienced. I think it's incredible. It's a thing that we definitely need. But this, this is why I call you a visionary, because uh -huh. you see a need and you fill it, and that's a wonderful or thing. Or try to get someone to help me fill it. <laughs> <laughs> but we love that. Uh, we should take another short break, and then we, we'll come back and ask a question that has a little bit to do with biomedical. So stick with us. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Doreen. This is the part of the program where we get to ask Dr. Doreen Grampache, uh, a true expert. And how many how many years have you been working in the field of autism? Uh, 78. 1978. I, started, I started in 1978. So what is that? 30, what, what are we, 2013? So that's 35? That's amazing. Good Lord. But I thought you were saying 78 years. I thought you were making a joke. Yes, yeah. I've been working in the field of autism for 78 years. I started in 78. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, and I always say no one would believe that you don't look old enough to have been working in anything a little specific here. So I have a 31-month-old boy who was diagnosed mm -hmm. with autism at two. I started him on the GFCF SF diet and already started biomedical with Dr. Rosignol. I am currently going through the regional center. So obviously here in California, we have something called the regional center. They are only giving him 10 hours of ABA, one hour OT, one hour speech. He is making some progress, but I want more hours due to the fact that everyone says 40 hours of ABA is better. Mm -hmm. 
Dr. Doreen mentioned that CARD has center-based ABA therapy. I called the Riverside office, but they don't offer that. I currently, uh, I, I just currently got, I, I don't know whether it's INS or INS. I am not happy with my, oh, it must be a provider. I don't know if I should have said that. Mm -hmm. uh, I am not happy with my ABA provider. If I go through CARD, Oh, I just I... got insurance. Oh, insurance. That's what INS stands for. Right. Thank you. Uh -huh, sure. Uh, I just got insurance. I am not happy with my ABA provider. If I go through CARD, will I get more hours? Yeah. I think this is something that a lot of parents ask. You know, you, you have a funding source and they say a certain amount. And as a parent, you don't know, do I trust them? If mm -hmm. they're tied to the purse strings, is this an accurate? Mm -hmm. uh, so, what would you like to say to okay, that? Okay, many things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one, I, you've given me all the inf very good information, yeah, so I can actually specific. help this family. First of all, we do have center-based in Riverside. So whoever ah. you talk to in Riverside who told you we don't, I need to know their name. Oh, there we go. Um, so that's number one. Second thing is if you have insurance coverage, then your insurance becomes your primary funding source and the regional center drops down to the last resort's funding. So you're not, you shouldn't be dealing with your regional center anymore. Um, so I'm confused as to how you are still getting insurance and regional center. That doesn't happen. What happens now is insurance takes over, regional center is supposed to be paying things like co-pays and deductibles, which of course now the law changed and they will be doing an analysis of your financial situation before they decide whether or not they're going to pay for that. But regardless, our assumption would be that your insurance is your carrier, is your funding source. And to answer your question, whether it's your insurance or your regional center, yes, you will. There is no way. You, you, I think they said the child is two to three years 31 old. 31 months old. 31 months old. Your child is at the perfect age for a 40-hour program. And it really disturbs me that there is another provider out there who is suggesting a, and supporting a 10-hour program because you're not giving your child a fair chance with 10 hours. And as Shannon said, as you said, Shannon, this is what the funding source does. They want to minimize because it's costly for them and they should not be allowed to do that. And we have uh, in, in all of Orange County, including the Riverside area, fought very hard for our families. Oh, you're in Riverside, you're dealing with, I think, Inland Regional Center. Inland is a difficult regional center. They are, we've had to actually to suggest to our families to really question and legally question some of the policies that Inland has mm -hmm. imposed. Um, but, uh, you know, we are trying to work things out with them and getting as much uh, funding as we can from them. But insurance companies as a whole, we have a very good relationship with most of the carriers, uh, both managed healthcare and insurance, and we would be happy to help you. The way that this goes is that you should contact our admissions, and our admissions is an 800 number that's on our website. And Emily will put it up on the screen for right. us. Right, and if you go through admissions, you will go and talk with 
um, some of our folks here at CARD who will guide you through this process. One of the things they'll ask for is your insurance information and then that goes to our contracts department and then our contracts department will verify your coverage and we'll get information and when I say verify our contracts department will fight for <laughs> and get coverage um, if at all possible legally and then uh, once we have your funding we will get you straight through to Riverside this is a very good time actually because we just uh, started a new program at card which is actually they're upstairs right after this I'm gonna go and train some of our care coordinators mm -hmm. So what we've done is we've brought in some of our really excellent senior therapists, Shannon, and we're uh, training them to a slightly higher level. And what they will be doing is um, assisting our supervisors so that all of our board certified supervisors can take on more patients mm -hmm. so that we can kind of attack our waiting list awesome. a little bit more. And Riverside, I know for a fact, is able to take patients right now and they will also be able to do center-based for you. Um, that would mean that we would be recommending, this is like the ideal child, a three-year-old child, we'd be recommending a 40-hour program and you would be able to bring your child in and drop them off for intervention. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. And we'd get it funded. I mean, all of it sounds really good. And I think it's important that we note that, you know, it's so disappointing as a parent when somebody makes a recommendation for your child and you find out that it's not what's best for your child. Mm -hmm. You feel it's an emotional thing. I, I cried many tears over that and I would say, what possible reason right. would they have to do right. this? And you want to vilify them and say, this is a horrible, horrible thing. Right. But there is this thought that's out there that's kind of pervasive that I would like to stamp out, but there are professionals who say, we don't want to get your hopes up. Mm -hmm. So we're going to offer you only what we know you can get right and they leave out the part where our spirit will fight for to get what is appropriate and what is best for our child and that's uh, the way you describe that that's actually you know sort of giving them the benefit of the doubt what happens just so you know the other side like okay so many many years ago I was offered and I won't mention the school district but I was offered uh, from the head of a school district um, this they literally said to me we have 1400 children who need help we will refer them all to you first um, as long as you never recommend more than 15 hours a week mm. okay now i can't tell you the number of times i've had similar offers from regional centers um from uh, just it's ridiculous the type of stuff they come to providers and say and and let me tell you I know very specific providers who've accepted those offers yeah. and yeah. who will, no matter what, not recommend more than 15 hours a week. And guess what? They make a lot of money because yeah. they get all the referrals right. and to them, it doesn't matter if they have you know, two children receiving 40 hours a week or 20 children receiving 10 hours a week. It right. doesn't matter to them. So it's unconscionable. It is unconscionable as for, for if you're a true professional. And but th this is one of the problems I have because, you know, that night, nothing bad about the BCBA. But the truth is the BCBA is a master's level 
certification and it's not governed by a board, right? So when you're licensed, you're governed by a board. If you do something like that, the board will pull your license. It's ethically the, exactly. inappropriate. It's, I mean, even if you don't have a conscience and you do that, you lose your license, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but with the BCBA, you don't. They, they don't go after people and police them for things like this. In fact, who would even be able to prove something like that, mm -hmm. you know? So a lot of people just uh, kind of don't really have the training, don't have the expertise. They couldn't care less. They're not into this to, to try to help people recover their kids and so on. And so what happens is they'll, they don't care. The quality of their program is low. Uh, they do whatever the funding agencies dictate. And so they're not really being advocates or true professionals for the families. This is very important. That's why I get upset when a family says, oh, apparently you don't have center-based services in Riverside. Because even something as small as that bothers me. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, everything we do is for the families. And to, you know, this is a child who's the exact perfect age, seems like the child has funding. We should be on this immediately. We should be helping this family immediately. Yeah. So, you know, please do follow up with our admissions office. And um, Amy is the person that you'll end up talking to because she'll give you a lot of, once you get to the detailed uh, portion of this, and mention to Amy that I wanted to know who in Riverside yeah. said we don't have center-based services because Amy will get on that too. Yes. Uh, and I think the takeaway for all the parents listening is that you can't take things at face value, unfortunately. Right. We have to be diligent. You right. have to, and so great that you continue to ask questions that I hear 40 hours, so why are they giving me 10 and I'm not settling for Good it? Good for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Good for you for following up on that. And and that you can ask somebody, uh, do our services provided? I think I've shared with you before that when we went to our first intake with the regional center and we had to fill out a card and we were... You you know, there were a whole bunch of people in this room, parents, and you had to fill out a card and they said, you know, if you want a provider, a specific provider that you know we vendor with, write that down. Mm -hmm. And most people in that room didn't have any idea. They had no names. And I said, card, in big letters, because that's what I had been told. Uh, hadn't met anybody at card yet, but that's what I was told by the family that said, this is what you have to have. And I, and I didn't put anything else down under the second choice and handed it into the woman and she said, oh, we don't vendor with card. And I had been t prepped yeah. and I said I know that's a lie mm -hmm. so I want card and she said well you know technically I mean it's not a lie it's we do vendor with them but they have a waiting list that's at least two years and I said that's okay take my card that's all I'm dealing with and she said but you should start with somebody else and I said no because somebody had told me had I not known no, I would have said okay who am I with Mm -hmm. and gotten some watered-down version right, of right, something. Right, And a lot uh, of times you'll hear we don't vendor with card, and the real reason they don't vendor, or actually we are vendored with everyone, but yeah. the real reason they tell this to people is because we will fight For to what's get right. the hours. Yeah. We will. Yeah. yeah, and it's all the more reason why as parents we need to fight to make sure that we get the right services right. card. Uh, okay, let's take another break and then we're going to come back with some more of your questions. Stick with us. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Doreen. Dr. Doreen Grampiche is here with us answering your questions. We had a question from a viewer and we actually had a bunch of questions along this line. Do you have any insight on whether or not I should apply for social security disability for my two and a half year old mm -hmm. with ASD? What are the benefits or disadvantages of doing this? We've a lot of questions about you know should somebody do this uh, is, I'm not, is I don't know very much about the type of coverage I can't think of any uh, um, downside to it 
I know that some of our kids do get some assistance. Mm -hmm. It isn't much, but right. um, it's certainly worth uh, applying. Um, who here would be able to give them assistance? I would imagine Bryce would know more about yeah, this. Yeah, Bryce to come in and talk about. Yeah. Because we've had a lot of questions about this. And I know, you know, it's it's different in different places in terms of what, all the things that are available to you. But I'm fairly certain that uh, for Social Security disability, your child either has to be a level of disabled yes. and or you have to make under uh, a certain under a amount. Certain, oh, absolutely. And it's pretty incredible how little money you have to make in order oh, to qualify for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Assuming I, your child will qualify, I just yeah. don't know if there's a downside to applying. You know who would be good, Shannon, is uh, maybe you should do a show where you interview Bonnie Yates. Yes, we've, we've been be talking about to. Bonnie on for a while. Yeah. Uh, so I'll connect with her. And Bonnie is a wonderful lawyer, um, special education lawyer, but she's also a mom. Mm -hmm. uh, that We've had her son Nick on. Uh, we have him on as frequently as we can have him on. Nick just graduated from college and is right now touring Europe. Yeah. And every once in a while I get a little note from him or get a picture of him at the Eiffel Tower or something. He's having a wonderful see, summer. He just changed his uh, Facebook uh, front picture. No. It's a picture of him and Nikki, my uh, daughter, uh, in, in Germany together. Oh, I was like, how did that happen? Because Nikki's visiting Germany right now, and they were they got together. There. Yeah, it was uh, awesome. Nick is a wonderful communicator, and he's a wonderful traveler. And I, he you know, is. He's we, so well-traveled. We flew up to Seattle to cover an event, and we were at the event, and in walks Nick. And yeah, He's just course. amazing. He shows up all over the places. He's, he's going places, he's uh, literally and figuratively. Amazing, and his and his mom is a special education attorney, and his older sister. You know, we talk about that's the siblings right, from time right, to time. Right. Is uh, now uh, a therapist. She's still a therapist in training, or is she a full therapist now? She's a therapist. Uh, she is a therapist at our New York office, and she's getting her teaching credential. Amazing, right? So it's an amazing family. Wonderful family. Uh, truly. So we'll have to ask Bonnie to come on and talk about these right. these kinds of things. Um, Okay, uh, there was a there was a series that we started a question that we it answered part of it away about a month ago, um, and just wanted to follow up on. Oh, that's the other part of it. No, never mind, never mind. I, okay. We already answered that question. I'm talking to myself. Now. <laughs> that's okay. Um, okay, this is an interesting question. Why has no one done research on what happens to teens and young adults with autism when they go through puberty? Uh, many of these children go through mental problems, which take them uh, make them dangerous to themselves and others. I've not been able to take my daughter uh, into public for five years because of these behaviors. All Medicaid wants to do is institutionalize her instead of helping me get a few things she needs at home that would help her to be able to deal with being in public. Um, I, and I am not aware of any particular studies about what happens in puberty uh, when the hormones start to go crazy in our kids. Are you aware of anything along those lines? There are. There's a lot of research, actually, both really? boys and girls. Okay. Very, very different issues. I mean, with girls, um, sort of the moodiness and so on, but also just the menstruation and teaching our girls how to handle menstruation is, is I remember the first uh, time, I was very, very young. I was at UCLA still and I was studying and I had to, I was doing a workshop, mm -hmm. uh, which was, you know, I was tra traveling and it was, I'm trying to remember, I think it was a school district in Illinois, it was somewhere, I don't remember exactly where it was, and uh, I was doing a series of trainings for classrooms, 
where a lot of the uh, students were <clears throat> teenagers and, and the girls were just beginning menstruation. And mm -hmm. this was a big issue because the girls were beginning to smear blood and, you know, all kinds of stuff, which was very difficult. Um, so, but there is literature, it, more so, more importantly, there are behavioral treatment techniques and things that can be done to help our teens through all of this sort of stuff. I, I don't know exactly, I was trying to figure out what this parent was referring to, just that they need some few equipment or things that would help the child do better, be able to go out into the public. Um, I would really suggest to this family that you, if you're not getting this help from uh, Medicaid, then please apply to our nonprofit, Act Today, Autism Care and Treatment Today, um, and just request the dollar amount. If the dollar amount is below $5,000, uh, and we will try to get that to you. You might not get it in the cycle where you apply, but we continue to keep your application and in future cycles, we will eventually get to you. It's very, very hard. We have now um, given out more than a million dollars, yeah. but every fundraiser that we do, it takes so much effort and time and the money that we raise for our families is just there's no way that it can even come close to the number of applications that we get. I wish to God that there was a way we could increase our fundraising and just help more families. But, um, you know, at least that would might if your amount is not that high, we might be able to help you. I'm not sure what type of equipment. Uh, and, you know, there's the, as I said, um, you, we are happy if you contact our research department, if you're looking for specific research, then please contact our research company, Autism Research Group, ARG. Mm -hmm. um, their info is all over the CARD website as well, and they have their own website as well. Mm -hmm. And they, I'm sure they'll easily send you all the literature that you need. They have a survey on their website as well, Autism Research Group, where they ask always for parents to give input about what kinds of things you'd like to see studies done on, because they're constantly deciding, making That's their research decisions based on uh, based on exactly what will help a parent right now. Right, right. They want it to be infinitely useful. And I will mention too that Dr. Jonathan Tarbox, who is the director of the Autism Research Group, joins us regularly on Fridays in the 11 o'clock hour in the second hour of the program. Uh, we call it Science Beat with Dr. Tarbox. And he answers questions specifically about research. So if you have those specific uh, questions, uh, uh, That's perfect. I love it because when we see a new study that comes in, we can tear it apart. You know, a lot of times in the media, something will come out and the media headline is incendiary, right? Yep. It's, and you then yep. you read the article and you go, I don't really know if this agrees with what, right. the, and I want to look at the study. And right. then as a parent who doesn't have a background in this kind of thing, I look at the study and I go, I have no idea what this means. And then I go, Dr. Tarbox, and he says, right. he has helped me so that I can now start to read through and look for certain points to see, but he will break down. If there's a study you say, I want to understand this, he'll do it right here on the air. It's amazing. Absolutely. It'll be very helpful. And, and if your child, I mean, this is a girl, mm -hmm. uh, but if your child is a boy, then you're going to have uh, a lot of questions surrounding sort of testosterone and how the children become more, a little bit more aggressive uh, during puberty. Yes. Right. And then if you could do a show on menopause too. <laughs> 
That would be lovely. I, I Sean said, and I would be watching that. I, I said to Nancy Allspot Jackson, I'm just a hormone on a leash these days. I know. I, it's so <laughs> well, the hormone thing is difficult at these different changes in our lives. I digress. And Emily says we're out of time. That's yeah. a terrible note to end on, <laughs> uh, but a funny one.